You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Give it a shot here. One, two, can you guys hear me out there? Coming through loud and clear. All right, wonderful. I get to move around a little bit. Let's take our Bibles tonight. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter number 7 in your Bibles this evening. How many of you need a fill in the blank, 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 fill in the blank sheet tonight? Who needs a fill in the blank sheet tonight? I don't see any hands. We need one right over here. There we go to Ed right down there if you would please. Anybody else fill in the blank sheet? Pen, peppermint mocha. How many of you are? Have you? How many of you have been to Starbucks since the Christmas drinks came out? Have you been there? All right. Some of you are very excited about it. We got so there's the peppermint mocha. There's the caramel brulee. There's the vodka martini. There's the I can't remember them all, but uh, you know there's some of, some of our members were telling me about them. I'm not sure, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, they, they sound good, so I hope you're enjoying this, this season here. Hey, speaking of enjoying the season, there are three Sunday nights in uh, December, couldn't remember the month, in December before Christmas, and then of course Christmas on Christmas we're just having a Sunday morning service, no Sunday school, no Sunday night, just Sunday morning on Christmas. Boy, the, we, we did that years ago, and it was such a special service on Christmas. I loved it. I loved it so much. And uh, so we're having services this, uh, of course, on Christmas, but the Sunday night services, three of them in, uh, in December, we're, we're having Christmas Spirit Sunday nights. And so what we're encouraging you to do in, in, uh, on the Sunday nights in December is wear your Christmas gear. You got a sweater, you got an ugly sweater. Some of you may not know your sweater is ugly, but it's, it, it might be. Um, if you've got a, a, a t-shirt, or like a Christmas shirt, you got the Christmas socks. Some of us go all out on the Christmas socks each year. You know, you got the full body Santa Claus outfit, whatever, maybe, maybe not. But, uh, but uh, if you want to uh, dress Christmassy, I'm going to be on Sunday nights. And, and uh, before the service on Sunday evenings, we're going to have two stations in the foyer for hot chocolate and cider and cups with lids on them so you can enjoy those. And uh, so those are Sunday nights in December, just trying to make it a little bit special, okay? So... If that offends you, then just stay home and watch online, all right? But uh, we're going to have a good time with a great Christmas spirit, okay? But uh, so just wanted you to be aware of that. Next week is our Thanksgiving service. Looking forward to that. Always a great time. And uh, so be here next Tuesday. In your Bibles, Isaiah chapter number 7. I want to preach tonight on and teach about show me a sign and signs in the Bible. You know, I've never really done like a study on signs before and... Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I, I think some of this will be helpful, especially towards the end, but to give us some thoughts here and understanding a little bit better of signs. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Let's look at verse 10, actually. I'm going to back up just a little bit. Moreover, the Lord spake and again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. He's told to ask for a sign. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David... Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive 
and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So we know that that was a Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, of Jesus' birth and, of course, his subsequent naming of Emmanuel, God with us. Some people have a problem with this text. Well, why would he make a promise for a to Ahaz that he doesn't fulfill until after he's dead? He made the promise and the sign to the house of David. Did you notice that? It wasn't to Ahaz. And uh, so I've had a lot of theories about this verse and how, you know, well, there must have been a virgin uh, giving birth back then, too. No, there wasn't. He made the, he said, here now, house of David. I'm giving the entire nation of Israel prophecy that there is a Redeemer coming, that God will dwell with them. So we're talking about signs tonight. Let's pray together. We'll jump in. Father, bless, I pray this message tonight. Help us understand clearer your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In around AD 312, the Roman Emperor Constantine was preparing to attack, an, to attack an army. He'd been an emperor for a little bit, and he claimed at that time, before the army was to attack, he claimed to have had a vision of a burning cross in the sky. And next to that cross, he claimed that there were the symbols for Greek words that said, in this sign, conquer, which was interesting because he was Roman, but he's seeing it in Greek words. In this sign, conquer. So he sees a cross saying, in this sign, so conquer by using the cross. That night he claims that he had a dream that Jesus came to him and reinforced the message that he would conquer the world through the cross, through uh, you know, Christian beliefs and so forth. Well, you may not know this, but Constantine is the one that really the reforms that he made are what led to the establishment of the Roman Catholic Church, led to the establishment of the, of the principles that would lead to the Inquisition and the Crusades. But he claimed he saw light burning in the sky like a cross, a burning cross in the sky, and it was a sign to him. Well, maybe it was a sign that he had too much pizza in Rome. But I don't know what it was, but he claimed to have a sign. So when we're talking about, you know, show me a sign, God, or I saw, a, I saw the signs, you know, things like that, what are we really saying? Do we go looking for signs? Does God still give signs? And uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit tonight. Write this in if you would, please. What, we, what do we normally mean when we're talking about signs? What we're normally referring to is some type of supernatural direction. God, give me a sign that I should go to Chipotle tonight. God, give me a sign that I should go on vacation to Hawaii and not Cabo or whatever. You know, we, or that I should take this job and not this one. And we pray for signs. What we're really praying for is some type of direction. Now, in, there are a lot of people have a lot of different views about signs when it comes to biblical signs. Some people think that signs are an evidence of salvation. Well, God gave signs to people that were saved. Some people think it signifies the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Other people think it, uh, it was given to authenticate a message. So which of those is right if any of them are right? So we're going to talk about that. Signs in the Bible, let me just help you with a little introduction here. Signs in the Bible always pointed to God. And let me explain that a little bit. The, the importance was not placed upon the signs themselves, but upon the message of God that was being delivered. Whatever that message was, that was the important thing, not the sign that was being given. And I'll give you examples in a few minutes here. Write this in if you would please as well. Most signs in the Bible were used to either communicate a message, to give a warning, 
or to fulfill a promise. Now, we often think, man, miracles were just happening in the Bible all the time. Can I let you know that miracles were not happening all the time in Bible days? They, we think like everybody saw miracles, man. You know, it really wasn't as often as we think sometimes. Most of the, uh, of the time, these miraculous signs and, and things happened around certain events in Scripture. They were common around certain times. Uh, for instance, when Israel was going to come out of Egypt, there was a lot of signs and, and wonders and miracles then. Moses is throwing his serpent down, or this rod is becoming a serpent. Uh, he's calling flies and, lo- and frogs, and, not logs, frogs and locusts and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then, you know, he's striking the, uh, or holding his uh, rod up, uh, and the water's parting at the Red Sea. All of that was happening around the time of Israel's deliverance out of, out of Egypt and, and headed to the Promised Land. So, and then after that, it kind of dies away. Then again, we see signs in the days of the prophets, like when Elijah was calling down fire from heaven, and so there was some then. Then we see him again at the ministry of Jesus. We see more miracles, and then at Pentecost. But after that, and in between those times, really, we're not seeing a lot of miraculous gifting. So most people in Bible days probably never saw a sign or a wonder. Most people in Bible days probably never saw, I witnessed a miracle, a miraculous sign. So they're not as common as we think, and we think, oh, you know, God, just give me a sign today. Let me see something burning in the sky. Well, we're not going to see those things. They're not as common as we think. Now, there are different types of signs in the Bible. Now, this is my list that I came up with. So if I miss some, then it's okay, but these are what I'm going to call these different types of signs, okay? Number one, I see in the Bible prophetical, prophetic, not pathetic, but prophetic, prophetical signs having to do with prophecy, prophetical signs. What were these signs for? These signs were given to confirm a message or warn of coming punishment. It, they were in regards to a prophecy that was given. And uh, so the message would be received, the prophet would say the message, and then the sign would be given to show that when you see this happen, you're going to know what I told you was true. So when I'm telling you this is going to happen to prove what, what I say is accurate. Now, you remember in the Bible, one of the ways to tell a false prophet, a false prophet was ferreted out by determining did what he say come to pass and if if a a prophet stood up and said I'm speaking for God and then said something and it did not come to pass he was a false prophet in the Old Testament they were stoned so very much it mattered that what they said was authenticated by it coming to pass that's how they kind of proved that they were a prophet Now, we just read that the Lord shall give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive. So he's saying God's going to be with you and God's going to send a redeemer. What's the sign of that? A virgin shall conceive. When that happens, you'll know the prophetical sign is true. In uh, 1 Kings 13, I just listed the reference there for you. You can look it up later. There's a man of God that confronts King Jeroboam at the time, and he gives him a message from the Lord. And then he says this, this is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. And he said, I'm telling you that God's going to punish you for what you've done. And here's how you're going to know it's going to happen. This altar is about to be torn apart. Two verses later, the altar is torn apart. And so it was was a, a sign to show them that this guy was right. They need to repent. In Luke chapter 12, verse chapter 2, verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. Gabriel, tell them the shepherds. 
you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. What was that sign? It was a confirmation. You're going to find, this is going to be a sign that this is the Messiah. You're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's going to be not lying in a bed. He's going to be in a manger. And that's going to confirm to you what I said was true. Okay? So pe people get obsessed also. Let me just pause for a second. People get obsessed with signs of the times. You know, we, we look around and we see America, which, you know, depending on your viewpoint, seems to be falling apart or whatever, and, and all these different things. And, and we can get obsessed with thinking everything is showing us that Jesus' return is right around the corner. Can I just let you know that we don't know when he's going to return? We don't know that. Now, we can look around, oh, we're in the last days. How do we know that? I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of signs that point to it, but we don't know Jesus could come in 300 years. We don't know that. And so if we're obsessed with every earthquake, oh, he's coming back today, here we go. Yeah. No, we don't know that. Not every natural disaster means that it's now, you know. But so we don't, I think it's important that we look in and find out, hey, what type of, of world is it going to be in the last days? We can see perilous times shall come. We can see signs and, and wars and rumors, things like that. But, but to try to pinpoint exactly uh, through prophecy when Jesus is coming back, it does not work that way. Let me just tell you that, okay. That's not given to us to know. In fact, the Bible says nobody but God knows. Jesus has chosen not to know that. You know, he could in his omniscience, but he, the Father's going to send him, the Bible says. Prophetical signs. Number two is promise signs. I'm going to call them promise signs. And these are signs given, not just in the Old Testament, but in the Old Testament, there were signs given to confirm his covenant promises. It's a covenant. It's an agreement between two people. You know, if we shake hands on something, it's a covenant. And God oftentimes said, if you do this, I do this. And in the Old Testament, there were several covenants. The Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant. Uh, there's many different covenants in the, in the Old Testament particularly. Oftentimes, you write this in, miracles were given as signs. Let me remind you of a few things that happened. Where there was God giving a sign to confirm his promise. Okay, well, let me just ask you, what did, in Genesis 9, what did God give Noah as a sign of his covenant? The rainbow. The rainbow was a sign of the covenant that, that with Noah that he would never destroy the earth again with a flood. So he gave that as a sign. In Genesis 17, circumcision was given as a sign of God's covenant with Abraham, something uh, seen and, and understood in that way. 2 Kings 20, 8 through 9, God confirmed, and, and I, there's many others, but I just chose a few that were kind of different. God confirms to King Hezekiah that he will give him 15 more years of life. He promised him he'd give him 15 more years of life, and he confirmed it by a miracle. He had the sun go back on the dial, go back uh, 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 10 degrees backward. And so kind of going back in time a little bit there, or the sun just going back anyway. So those were signs that God gave to confirm his promises. Number three. I'm going to call this people signs. People signs. What I mean by that is sometimes God used a person as an object lesson. And as a sign. God sometimes used his prophets as signs to communicate a message or warn his people. Remember, was it Jeremiah or, I'm trying to remember now, I think it was 
There's one of the, the major prophets, Isaiah Jeremiah, that uh, God had him lay on his right side for three years, and he wore a girdle, and he took the girdle off, and he went and buried, that was Jeremiah, went and buried it by the river, and then, you know, three days later came and got the, the girdle up, and it was marred, and he had him put it back on, and he said, now go preach and use this as an example. It was Ezekiel that he said, hey, you know, he's going to take away the... The, his wife, and he took away his wife and, and, and used him as an object lesson. Hosea, he had a Mary Gomer, and uh, the, the, the woman Gomer who was a harlot. And so several times in Scripture that's happened. Look at Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 6. In their sight shalt thou bear it upon thy shoulders, and carry it forth in the twilight. Thou shalt cover thy face, that thou see not the ground. For I have set thee for a sign under the house of Israel. Verse 11 says, Say... God saying to Ezekiel, say, I am your sign. Like as I have done, so shall it be done to them. They shall remove and go into captivity. So God sometimes used people, his people, as a sign to warn the rest of his people. And uh, to say, hey, you need to repent. Punishment's coming. Number four is, I will call them proving signs. Proving signs. They were given as proof of something. We might call these, if you, are, if you look at the New Testament, sign gifts, sign gifts. Oftentimes in the New Testament, the disciples or, or the apostles would communicate the truth about Christ and then go do a miracle or vice versa. They'd do a miracle and then spread the message of Christ. Why did they do that? They were, these signs were given to authenticate a message or demonstrate authority. So, for instance, here's Peter. Peter doesn't have a Bible. He hadn't written First and Second Peter yet. You know, so the book of Acts had not been written. Uh, you know, so it wasn't preserved. So what did he have to be able to prove that what he said was correct? Now, we have the Bible. We have the words of God. So we can show people that this is what God said. Peter, when, when Christ ascended, all he had, what, what the, he and the other apostles and disciples had was miracles. And so what they would do is say, boom, this guy is healed. Now let me tell you that Jesus is Christ and that you need to get saved. And people would say, okay, hear what you're saying. And then they'd see the miracle of the man being healed. So, okay, this guy's telling the truth. It was to authenticate the message. When you think of healing and tongues and all of these different things, why don't we see them today? Well, they were done away with. And there's a, there's a lot to talk about there that I won't get into right now. But for the, it was for the purpose of authenticating the message. Now, most of the signs we think about fall into that category. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Uh, we won't turn there, but God gave Moses the signs of the rod becoming a snake and his hand uh, you know, covered with leprosy. Why? In order to prove that God's word and power were true and to show the people of Israel and Pharaoh that what Moses is saying is true. Now, we know Pharaoh didn't, didn't uh, listen until the last one, and then after that, he decided to go back on it, and, and he perished in the Red Sea. But that was supposed to help them all believe what Moses said. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah, he's calling fire down from heaven, and here's what he says, so that God would let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. So what he was doing was saying, God, I want you to do this miracle so that people know that you are God. It was about God. I want, I want you to, Lord, I'm asking for this so that people know that when I tell them that God sent me and that they need to repent or they need to do this, that they would know it's true because they saw the miracle happen. 
So that's why the re- that's what it was. And Jesus, by the way, did many signs and wonders in the Bible. And here's what he says. John chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. I just listed the reference on your sheet. But listen to John 10, 37 38. Jesus said, if I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works. That ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. So Jesus is even saying, you may not listen to my words, but you better look at my works. Look at the blind man that's healed. Look at Bartimaeus. Hey, look at the the guy who was laying by the pool of Siloam for 38 years. And he's healed. Look at the the, the dead. look, Look at Lazarus. You look at these people and realize that what I'm saying is true. So on your sheet there, Jesus' signs were given so that people would believe his message and trust in him. The central focus was the message, not the miracles. The central focus was the message of Christ and not the miracles. Why am I telling us this? Because oftentimes I see Christians that are more interested in the signs than they are in the Savior. They want to have some great vision or some mystical revelation or to audibly hear God's voice or whatever it may be, and they're missing the clear teaching of the Bible. Now, during and after Pentecost, the sign gifts were used to prove or authenticate the message and and the messenger for the purpose of people hearing and believing the gospel message. Now, we we see uh, tongues and different things like that in the Bible. If you'll notice, they were almost always used at the first time a people group heard the gospel. In Pentecost, all these groups of people had not heard the gospel. Peter stands up, speaks in his language. They all hear it in their own languages, and they're able to get saved. Later on, it's talked about how, I I forget, it was Philip... Or it was, it was Peter and, and Cornelius, I think it was. But anyway, there were signs given to the first time people heard the gospel. It was given as an indication that this is true. So we don't have tongues anymore, folks. Tongues are languages. We do have languages. But someone standing up here, you know, in, in some heavenly tongue, that's not a thing anymore. I got news for you. Divine healing's not a thing anymore. Because if these faith, they're really fake healers, but if they were real, why are they not at the hospital right now healing every person? Oh, it's, oh, it's their faith's fault. No, it's not their faith's fault. You're a fake and a phony. Is what that, that's what's going on there. These were given for a time. And so we have to understand that. Number five is I'm going to call these pointing signs. So number four, they were to prove something. But these are the type of signs that most people obsess over. Direct me, point me, give me a sign uh, type of belief. Horoscopes, astrology, superstition, tarot cards, I don't know, reading tea leaves, things like that. You know? And Christians can be guilty of this thing of looking for signs. I had a, one of my neighbors a, a, a long time ago, we used to live in a, an apartment, I was talking to him, and he was, like talking, he was talking to me about his kids, and he's like, yeah, and uh, well, my, you know, his, his like two-year-old, one-year-old son, he's like, and that boy's a Capricorn, so you know how they are. And I was like, no, I don't. What does that mean? What's the Capricorn like? What is the Capricorn, you know? Is, is, is it, I know candy corn, that's disgusting, but I don't know what Capricorn is, and, uh, but, uh, you know, you know how those Capricorns are. Yeah, I, I learned one time that uh, I don't do horoscopes. I, 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 of course, I would anticipate you don't either. But I learned that I'm a cancer. That's a terrible thing to be. I'm a cancer. And the sign is a crab. I mean, like, everybody else is like this horse or the lion. Or, 
I'm a crab with cancer. That's what I am in the horoscope. Why would I read that? And as I'm looking at it, like, so here's what I did. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I preparing for this message, I thought, you know, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to Google what the cancer horoscope is for today. So for November 16th, remember the date, November 16, 2022, if you're born in some of the, like the last part of June and first part of July, then you're cancer. And here's what it says. Here's our horoscope. Who's, who's in that time frame? Last part of June, early July. Okay, here it is, folks. You ready? All right, here it is. If someone takes too long to do something today, cancer, your temper may flare up. Whose wouldn't? Patience isn't always your strong suit. Whose is? And you may believe in the if you want it done right, do it yourself philosophy. I think it's everybody, right? This isn't always fair. Others need to do things at their own pace. And in some cases, it's essential that you give them to room to do so. What does that mean in some cases? Pretty much like they're so basic and blasé and could fit. You know, sometimes you ought to, you know, you ought to drive over here. And sometimes you ought to do this. And, you know, what do you think I should do? Well, maybe you should do this or maybe that. It's so, it's so like there's non-committal. It drives me nuts. Anyway, take a deep breath if you have to and be patient. That's not a hor- That's called advice. Be patient, you know? And so I, I, I wanted to just humor you with that today for all of you cancers out there. Some of you are like, it's true. I believe it all now. I was impatient today. Yeah, well, you were probably impatient yesterday too, okay? Anyway, the person who seeks for those things is somebody looking for direction, but they're looking for it in a mystical, supernatural way. And it's not the way. That's not the way. Okay, so let's talk about setting out a fleece. Go to uh, Judges chapter 6, please. And I, I need to go quickly here. Judges chapter number 6. There's a story here of Gideon, and you may know it already. But Gideon was told by God that he was, God was going to use him to defeat the Midianite army for the sake of the children of Israel. Now, here's what's interesting about that. In verses 12 through 16, God calls him a mighty man of valor, and God tells him, you're going to save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. God tells him, I have sent you. God tells him, in verse 16, surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And so the natural thing, of course, would be after God comes to you and says this, The natural thing, of course, is for Gideon to say in verse 17, if I now have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign. Show me a sign. Um, Why did he go there? Why did he jump right to the sign? God told Gideon, I'm going to use you. The first thing he does is ask for a sign. And by the way, in the next verses there, in verse 21, God gives him a sign. Like, you know, the fire comes up and devours stuff and out of the rock. God, God gives them a sign, and then look, if you would, down further. Let's look at verses 36 through 40. It says there, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, he already told him, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor outside, okay? And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand as thou hast said. God, if I put this, this blanket outside, and uh, it's dry on the earth, but the, we, the fleece is wet, then I'll know it will confirm it to me. 
And it was so, verse 38, for he rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. There it is, Gideon's faith was was strengthened. Nope, verse 39. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. So God honored this request. And it wasn't so much because, I don't think because Gideon was a great man as much as it was God was going to use Gideon to deliver his people. And that was just going to be how it went. And so God did this. Now, so some people take this to mean, well, see, we ought to set out a fleece. We ought to, we ought to make a circumstance for God to answer so that if he answers it in the way we lay it out there, then we'll know that God really wants us to do this. Is that wise? Is that wise to say, Lord God, omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing Father, I'm going to make something here and you do what I say, and then I'll know that you spoke to me. Maybe you can tell by my tone what you think I think about it, okay? Is it biblical? Let's keep in mind a few things quickly here. Number one, Gideon had already been told what to do, but his faith was too weak to believe it. God already told him several times. Before the fleece situation ever came up, God had already confirmed it. This was not a problem of God's power. It was a problem of the perception of God's power. It was Gideon's perception that was the problem. Number two, after Gideon was given two separate signs, he still doubted. He still doubted after the first fire out of the rock and then the first fleece. So if we seek for signs, it's an evidence of a weak or immature faith in us. And most likely, we won't believe the sign anyway. God already answered signs. How many will it take for us? Well, we'll probably still seek more and more. Well, God, just to confirm it, you know, uh, for whatever sign I ask for, you know, I, I'm praying, God, if you want me to, to serve at the church, I need an Amazon package delivered outside of my door at 3.33 p.m. today, and it needs to have, uh, you know, the, the Flips white chocolate pretzels in it. And if you have that outside of my door, then, God, I'm going to know. And so you get the package, and you're like, well, God, let's try it again. Let's try it again. If I get tomorrow, at, you, it's the problem of faith. It's not a problem of God speaking to us and, uh, or God's word. It's no matter how clear the signs are. And, and after three signs, it finally convinced Gideon. And what do I take away from this also? Number next there, God is long-suffering and patient. He did give him a sign, and he gave it to him three times because God is so good and long-suffering. But does this make this the right model for us? No, it doesn't. It doesn't make it the right model for us. You may think, well, I've heard some stories, Pastor, of this. Ha-. Yeah, you know what? I can tell you two stories that happened to me where I laid out a fleece to God and I prayed for something very, very specific. And I could tell you that God specifically answered it in the exact way that I, that I prayed for. And there's one reason I'm at this church today. Because one of them had to go, do with going to Bible college. One of them had to do with becoming a preacher. And probably had those two signs not been given, I wouldn't be here. So I do understand that, yes, God does speak. But let me give you the verse to help you with that. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but commandeth all men everywhere to repent. What is that verse saying in that passage? It's saying that God overlooks some things because of the ignorance of the people. And I think that God had called me, and my faith was not as strong as it should have been. 
But I was trying to step out in faith. I wanted to make sure my step was the right place. And so I prayed for two specific things, and God answered them according to faith. Now that I'm, I've, I've grown in my faith, do I think that's the right way to put God on trial to do exactly what I say every time? I don't think that's the best way. I'll tell you why in a minute. But we don't need signs and wonders. Why? Next thought here. Why not to seek for signs? Why not? Number one, it shows an immature or weak faith. I told you before about a band I used to listen to when I was a teenager. And, uh, you know, I listened to them because the lead singer supposedly was Christian and had, like, Christian lyrics a little bit, you know. But they were a mainstream, really famous band back in the day. And I heard an interview, and he said that his dad was like a, you know, a, a Presbyterian pastor or something. And he laid in bed one night and just prayed, God, if you're real, turn the lights on in this room. Flip the switch in the room. And if, you, if you're real and you do that, I'll serve you forever. And he said, and you know what? God didn't do it. I was like, yeah, why would he? You know, just reach in and flip the light. Well, why didn't God do that? God didn't need to authenticate his word. He already gave his word. And so for, for someone to say, God, do this for me and I'll serve you forever, he doesn't have to do that. You still have to serve him forever anyway. Like, that's the point, right? Is it shows a weak faith, immature faith. And he was a young man. But why not just believe what God said? God answered the request of people like Abraham and Gideon to confirm their faith. But in the New Testament, he denies those who look for signs to excuse their unbelief. You can read Matthew 12 later, and he says, It's a foolish and adulterous generation that seeks for a sign. Why? He said, No sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonas, who was in the belly of the, er, of the whale three days and three nights. So shall the Son of Man be in the, uh, in the earth three days and three nights. He's saying, Look, I've already told you. You've witnessed me do miracles. I'm not conforming to what you want for your unbelief. He already did the miracles. And he, he does things to help people's faith, but not to excuse their unbelief. It was the people on the cross that were saying, If thou be the Son of God, come down and save yourself. He doesn't answer to people that way. He already had done everything he needed to do. And he was doing what he was supposed to do for salvation by dying on the cross and rising again from the dead. Not to prove their unbelief. So it shows an immature, weak faith when we're constantly saying, God, show me a sign for this or that. Number two, here's another problem. Signs can be interpreted any way we choose to see them. You can interpret a sign any way you choose to. If you drive out of here tonight and you uh, drive down and you pass Little Caesars and your car breaks down... It's a sign. God wants me to move to Italy. Or wait, the little guy is Greek. He's like got the head thing. Maybe it's Greece. Ah, well, I like Italy better. God wants me to move to Italy. God wants me to learn to speak Italian. Y you can interpret signs any way you want when you're setting the rules. I will say that I do think God sometimes gives direction from unlikely places. But it's often to confirm, not necessarily to direct. You know, so I think of my father-in-law that said he was moving to California and he was unsure, whatever it may be, and he saw a sign on a truck that said something and reassured him. You know, I, I think sometimes, I've seen many times where I have been sitting uh, about to preach a message in another church somewhere and thinking, Lord, is this the message? Is this the right one? And someone gets up and sings a song with like the title of the message I'm about to preach or something. And it's not necessarily that it's, you know, it, it, you know it, I asked for this sign because I wanted to prove God. I feel like it was more the Holy Spirit just confirming something. Saying, hey, you're doing the right thing here. So, so I, I leave that with you as well. But signs can be interpreted any way you choose to see them. Number three, why not to seek for signs? Because seeking signs leads to confusion. 
Signs in the Bible were clear. But when we seek for signs, we're looking for things out of the blue and trying to pick meaning out of things that are not there. I told you about the two text messages I received uh, two weeks ago. I got one text from Pastor Doug Fisher that said, uh, I'm sensing that God is blessing you in an unusual way. And then I got a text a day later from Pastor Murphy. Is everything okay? I woke up thinking about you today. And I was like, well, which is it? Am I going to get blessed in an unusual way? Or am I in trouble? Or is it both? You can see whatever you want to see if you read those. Or you can just be thoroughly confused if you take those things to be signs. So that's why you don't do that. By the way, remember the devil can appear as an angel of light? Do you remember that? The magicians of Egypt could copy the signs of Moses. What if you look and you see the wrong signs? Oh, it's true because I saw, you know, I hear people say things like, I heard a voice speak to me and tell me this. And I'm like, that's scary. You hear voices? You know, because God's not audibly speaking anymore. There's a book out. It's a garbage book. I'll just tell you that. It's a book that is heretical, but it's a book that a lot of Christians read. It's called Jesus Calling. Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. And she claims through that whole book that Jesus audibly speaks to her. In the whole book. And it's prayers, and it's all about her personal revelation. She even writes part of the book from the first-person perspective of Jesus. Like, like the red letters you see in your Bible, like she's writing those in her book, whatever words she has come up with saying, this is what Jesus said to me. That is extra-biblical revelation. That is not biblical at all, and that is heresy, to be honest with you. So those are reasons not to seek for signs. Let me just close with this. God has given us what we need to find his will. Since we're not in the Old Testament, since we're not the prophets or, or uh, uh, the, the disciples who need uh, sign gifts, miraculous things to authenticate our message, but yet we still want to find God's will, well, what did God give us? He gave us his word. That's what he gave us. Write it in. He gave us his word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Means thoroughly equipped. You have what you need to do everything you need to do. That's what that verse tells us. You have the Bible, it's all God inspired, God breathed words, and because of that, you are, are, are essentially equipped to do what God wants you to do. Because you have the Bible. Be careful for teachers and materials that add to the word of God. That lady, Sarah Young, who wrote Jesus Calling, said this in the, in the beginning of the book. She said, I knew that God communicated with me in the Bible, but I yearned for more. She yearned for more communication from God. That's called extra biblical revelation. Now, there's an apologist out there who defends the faith. And uh, he, 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 we saw a video of his in church long, many years ago. He has a motorized wheelchair, and he comes up, and he sits at a platform, and he speaks in this soft southern accent, and he defends the faith, and he's amazing at it. His name is Justin Peters, and here's what he said. I love this. If you want to hear God speak to you, there is one way I guarantee you God will speak to you. Read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. Love it. That's wonderful. It's true. Why else? How, what else did God give us instead of signs to, to guide us? Number two, he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 16, 13, he will guide you into all truth. So instead of saying, 
God, when I'm driving to work today, if I see a pink Lamborghini, I'm going to know you want me to tithe this week. What? You have the word. It already told you to. You know, if I see, you know, a clown standing on top of a building today, then, then God, that will be a sign to me that I need to give to missions. Why? If God's working on you to do it, then just do it. And that's not just money related. I just thought of two examples right off the top of my head. But, I, you know, God has his word that he's given to us, but he's also given us the Holy Spirit to poke us and be like, this is what Jesus is telling you to do. This is what he's telling you to do. So he, he gives us the Holy Spirit, but also he gives us daily wisdom. If you're seeking it, he gives it. it you know, and, and by the way, on top of that, there's counsel. There's godly counsel you can receive. We don't need to seek for signs. But I'm saying this, but I'm also saying out, this, out the other side of my mouth that sometimes I think God does confirm things. He does, he does wink at us sometimes and say, okay, I see you're trying to do right, you're trying to make the right decision, and I think sometimes, I feel like in my own life, he has done some things that have just been a confirmation to me. Not like a, you know, a complete change of events, not a situation I came up with and said, God, do this. Now, that did happen, but I, that was, again, in ignorance, I believe. So there is some, there, what I'm, I, I guess what I'm trying to end by saying is there is some, uh, uh, some back and forth with this, right? But the spiritually mature thing, what I'm trying to tell you is, if signs happen, if God confirms something to you, that's not something you can control. But you can control if you read your Bible tomorrow. You can control if you're praying and submitting your life to the Holy Spirit of God. You can control if you're seeking wisdom by going to God in prayer or asking counsel. You can do that. So when we're talking about signs in the Bible, I don't think it's, it's a great idea to set out the fleece. But I do think it's a great idea to get in the Bible every day. I do think it's a great idea to listen to preaching and teaching from the Bible. I think it's a great idea to, to tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit by being obedient to him. And the more you obey him, the more you understand his voice and hear him. Not audibly, but you sense you know, him speaking to you. And then the wisdom that he gives on a daily basis as well by seeking his will, by asking for it. So lastly on your sheet there, are you seeking God's will every day in his word and through the Spirit? Are you just taking God at his word? And, and maybe tonight no one in here is like, Pastor, I've not been asking weird things of God. But let's be careful. When you're not in your Bible and prayer and those type of things, we oftentimes are looking for some type of sign for what we should do. Well, should I move to North Carolina? Well, you know, I tell you what, if housing goes up anymore over here, we're leaving. That's the sign. Really? So again, you're basing decisions not upon God, not upon God's word, not upon the spirit of God speaking to you, not upon wisdom. You're basing it upon money. You're basing it upon uh, uh, climate. You're basing it upon government. What I'm saying is it's more important to get God's mind on that through his word and not just basing your decisions upon the immediate effect that it may have on your pocketbook, 
immediate effect it may have on things like that. So let's seek God. Let's put God first and let's say, Lord, you've given me the word. That's what I need. I don't need to seek after the signs and the fleeces and all that. If, they, if God confirms something, it's wonderful, but I'm getting in the Bible, I'm listening to the Spirit, and I'm not listening to these people that say they hear from God on a daily basis audibly and they see these signs. I'm not doing that. Father, thank you for today. I pray that you'd help us to be in our Bibles. Lord, help us to have a concern of knowing Scripture and tuning into the voice of the Holy Spirit and not...